and in Luke chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 2 shares with us all about the birth of Jesus. And so some of that, I'm going to be reading that from that for you tonight, just from a few, a few passages. But in Luke chapter 2, it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Well, who's them? As shepherds. So you're a bunch of shepherds, and you're hanging out in the field, and you're around the campfire, and every night, it's just an ordinary night, and then out of the blue, angels appear in the sky, and they announce the birth of the king. And it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I think that would terrify me. Would that terrify you? They'd be like, what in the world is going on here? It says, but the angel told them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news, say this with me, of great joy. For all people. He says, Today in the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you, and he is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared. So we have a messenger angel showing up, and then a whole bunch of other angels show up, and they start singing and praising God, and they say, Glory to God in the highest. And peace on earth and goodwill to those whom God's favor rests. The first thing Jesus comes to bring us is peace. Peace. And what we teach and what we think peace is, is peace is an absence of conflict. That's what we think peace is. Or we think peace is getting into a lotus position and beginning to meditate into this eternal state of bliss and peace. That's not what peace from the Bible talks about. The Bible uses the word peace, and it's the Hebrew word shalom. Flourish means that every area of your life begins to flourish. Every area of your life begins to prosper or succeed. Right? So the first thing Jesus came to bring us was peace. He comes to bring mankind the ability to prosper and to succeed. Into darkness comes light. And so that's one of the greatest gifts. Life doesn't always flourish, does it? Can we agree? Life isn't always peaceful or flourishing. There's areas of our life, but in Christ, what Jesus comes to bring us is he comes to bring us peace beyond our understanding. And what's that peace look like? Well, the first peace that he comes to bring is peace with God. Mankind does not have peace with God. Our hearts are restless. We, we're, we're so restless within our hearts, we either pursue anything and everything that we can worship to try to fill that peace, or we actually deny that God exists. And so just to avoid the conflict altogether, we just deny it. Jesus came to bring peace. He came to settle our relationship with God in our hearts. You say, well, what's the need for that? Well, mankind has turned away from God. Jesus came to bring us back. We separated ourselves from him, and Christ came to create a way for us to return to him. And then the second thing is peace with ourselves. People don't have peace with themselves, and they feel unforgiven, and they have shame, and they carry guilt, and they carry bitterness, and they carry rage, and they fear unforgiveness towards themselves because they don't know that they're loved. It's very hard for you to, to, to forgive others when you yourself know that you're not forgiven or when you can't forgive yourself. And people go, well, I can't forgive myself. That's just impossible for me to forgive myself. Well, forgiveness is divine and forgiveness is something that's given by God. The Bible says if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows all things. He's come to give you peace. And the only way you can have peace with yourself is to have peace with God. The war will not cease. Your heart will be continually restless and continually embittered, and it was just compounding the self against self-guilt and against shame. And so you can forgive yourself when you know that God forgives you. If you can't forgive you, the Bible says God's greater than you, and he forgives you. So you have no right to hold anything against you if you're in Christ and you're forgiven by him. And that's one of the things that happens is when God forgives you, it's not this sort of abstract or this sort of external forgiveness that he gives. He puts a forgiveness into your heart. 
And that's one of the gifts that Jesus comes to bring. You can put the next slide up there. The second thing he comes to do is give favor. It says, peace on earth and goodwill to all mankind upon whom God's favor rests. Jesus comes to put favor on our lives. What is favor? Favor is a willful goodness. So the coming of Jesus is, extend, is God's willful goodness extended to mankind. God's willful goodness given to all people, anyone who will receive it, anyone who will accept it, anyone who will turn their hearts towards it. His willful favor will rest through Jesus. So one of the other gifts Jesus comes to bring to us is favor. Acts 3.26 says this, To you first, having served us by sending Jesus, God sent him to bless you. It says, would Jesus came to bless us? Would that's absolutely true. It says, is it the bless me club? Absolutely. There's blessing in Christ. Jesus came to bless man. Jesus came to bring God's willful favor and give that to us. In turning everyone away from what? How does blessing come to us? How does God's blessing come to us? <laughs> Number one, by turning us away from sin, turning us away from shame, and turning us away from pain and iniquities. And what's iniquities? Iniquities is just all that stuff that makes you feel just not right. Unclean, dirty, not whole. Jesus comes to take that away. Jesus is the only one who has the power to take that away. No one else does. And so God who loves us and comes to bless us refuses to allow us to stay the same. Refuses to allow us to sit in a place where sin, what sin, sin is just things that just dysfunctions that cause your life to go in the wrong direction. Sin is the separation that occurs that keeps you from coming to God. So Jesus came to deal with the sin issue. He came to deal with the shame issue. All of the things that cause a lot of the mental illness in American society and in the world itself is, a, is directly related to unforgiveness. Bitterness that we have towards others, bitterness that we have towards ourselves. Unforgiveness is a great cause of mental illness. Self-condemnation and shame is a great cause, and God does not re refuse us to leave us in that state. And so he sends Jesus, God comes down to us to deal with our sin problem, to deal with our shame problem, to deal with your pain. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, he was in all ways tempted as we were or experienced all of the pain and difficulties that we do, yet he did not sin. And it says that he is not one who's separated from the things that we go through. He understands. Jesus understands pain. Jesus understands rejection. Jesus understands what it means to be an outcast. He was born an outcast. He was born to a teenage mother. She was 16 years old when she, was, when she became pregnant with him. She was a teenage mother. She became pregnant, quote unquote, outside of wedlock. Jesus grew up with a stain all around him. He grew up rejected. His whole life he was slandered. He experienced violence, brutality. All kinds of things happened to him, and he did it all for us. So he, uh, he can identify with shame. He can identify with pain. He can identify with weakness. He can identify with all of the things that cause us to be rejected, and all of the things that we reject ourselves over, Jesus came to take that for us. He's the answer, and he's the gift of heaven. So Christmas is about Jesus, and Christmas is about what he comes to bring to us. The whole reason we give gifts is because Jesus is the gift given to us. That's the whole reason. I think it was the Today Show. They're, going to, they're saying, I was, I was really wanting to watch what they were going to say, but they're going, they said, we're going, to deep into the, we're going to delve into the deeper meaning of the holiday season. I was like, really? 
<laughs> Where are we going to go? And it's going to be all about humanity. Oh, how we're good. And it's the way to show love and kindness to other people. And it's, it's like that, all of that stuff is false. Human love is false. I hate to tell you that. Human love is limited. Human love is vain. And human love is empty. And human love is self-oriented. It's the only when you get the love of God. And that love of God is given to you through Christ by his spirit. There's types of love in the Bible. There's phileo, which means love of friends, right? There's eros, which means sort of physical, or if you want to go there, sexual love. So the erotic love. There's phileo love, which is between friends. There's like, uh, there's a love that uh, it's just kind of like I love chocolate. And then there's another love that the Bible talks about that's called agape that does not come from us. It's completely foreign to the human. Humans cannot manufacture this love. And it's selfless love. It's a love that's willing to deny everything about itself and lay itself down for someone else. Greater love is no one than this. And to lay themselves down for their, for their friends. And not only that, Jesus takes it further. This type of love can love the enemy and can love those who hate them. That's the love that comes from God. That love, is, that, that love cannot be found among people. It's not found among people. It has to be given by God. It's agapeo. It's divine in its nature. Our love is every time when we go to love someone, we love someone with the, with the mindset that we're going to be benefited by that love. There's something attached to it. We, can, we don't have the ability to love selflessly unless the Lord grants it to us. And that love comes through the Spirit of God. He's the gift of heaven. He enables us to love ourselves. Huh? Don't we have a problem with that in these days? Somebody says something bad about you on Facebook. Oh, my gosh. You know, you go, or Instagram or whatever. Somebody says something bad in the workplace and just sends us into this spiral. We're constant. We have a hard time loving ourselves. You can love yourself when you know Jesus loves you. You can love yourself when you know that nobody else's opinion matters but his. I'm saying, well, Jesus loves me, so who am I to not like me? He likes me. Not saying everything's perfect about me, but he likes me. Doesn't mean you don't have things to work on, but he likes you. He not only likes you, he loves you. He loves you on your worst day. Your worst day. We have a saying here at Elevate that Jesus is for you even when you're against you. Even when you are against you, you're your own worst enemy. That's, that's the biggest. You are more dis, you, We work so much against ourselves. There's a lot of things working against ourselves, but the number one person that's working against you is you. <laughs> I don't know about you. That's me, right? And if you evaluate your life, you'll see through the decisions you make, the choices you make, the people you associate with, all of the things and the things that just where you end up taking yourself. You're, you're like, what in the world? Why do I keep working against me? Why am I so counterproductive against me? Why am I so self-destructive against me? Jesus is for you even when you're against you. The third thing he came to give us is joy. Joy for all people. Great joy for all people. What's joy? Joy is internal satisfaction that goes beyond happiness. Our culture teaches that happiness is found in people, places, and things. There is some joy in people, places, and things, right? But it goes away. <laughs> you get that grip tomorrow, you're like, yeah. But then a couple weeks later, the joy, the, you get that new iPhone, right? What, six months later, they got another iPhone. You're like, man. <laughs> you're all of a sudden, the iPhone that you got six months ago, it's not so, it doesn't make you so much so happy as the one that's out now. Brand new car model comes out. You're like, you got the 2018. All of a sudden, you see the 2019. You're like, I'm not happy with my car anymore. Happiness, even in relationships and with people, places, and things, it's empty. It's fleeting. There is joy there, but it goes away. Joy in Christ is eternal. Joy in Christ is available to you 
So when the joy goes off your iPhone, you can go into the Spirit and you can receive the joy of the Lord. You can get happy just because you can get happy. That's the power of God. That's what's given to us in Christ by His Spirit. An availability of joy. Joy unspeakable, the Bible says. There's not even words to describe it. And full of glory. Where does that, where is that found? The Bible says in his presence, he makes us know the path of life and in his presence is fullness of joy. So the joy of the Lord is available to those in Christ in his presence. You come into his presence, you begin to open yourself up to his spirit and to his presence and joy comes into you. So I've had people come, they never have any associations with churches. They come to church, they're like, I don't know, this place just makes me happy. I just feel good every time I come here because it's the joy of the Lord. They're encountering the presence of God and in his presence is joy. And that joy, Jesus came to bring joy to humanity, back to mankind. And what I would say to the Christians here is that joy is available to you. And if you do not have joy, it's because you are not activating joy. That's the only reason you don't have joy. Joy has not been taken from you. The joy of the Lord cannot be taken. Joy from circumstances, the world steals your joy. Hey, I just got the new iPhone. You know, it's amazing how we don't like to encourage each other. You ever notice that? People do not like to encourage other people. When you have a success, people are oftentimes not celebrating your success, do they? They're not very, very few people are actually happy for you in a genuine way. And if you're really looking at yourself, sometimes you're just like, oh, why did they get the promotion? Why did they get the new car? Why did they get the house? Right? That's the ugly side of us. But when you have the joy of the Lord and you begin to know the Lord, you begin to understand who he is, you know that God withholds no good thing from those who will walk with him. If he does something for one, he'll do something for another. And just because someone outside of Christ is being blessed, the person in Christ can be all the more blessed. God has good things for his children. He has good things for his people. People steal your joy and the devil steals your joy. But Jesus is the fullness of joy. Joy, every time, if you feel like you've lost your joy, joy is one step away, Christian. That's all it is. You can, you can joy, you can have joy, and you can have a, a, like a, a euphoria or, or like a, a, a I, just, I can't think of a word beyond joy, but you can have joy in the midst of the worst circumstances. Things could be falling apart, and you can get happy. You can just get into joy, and you're in joy, and the world's falling down around you, but you have joy. That's what separates the Christian from the non-believer. We have access to joy. And if you don't have joy, or you've lost your joy, or you're not experiencing joy, it's because you're not stepping into it, and you're not activating what's been given to you. Put the other, the last slide up there. So joy. It says, but after he considered these things, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save their people he will save his people from their sins. The last thing and the most important thing that Jesus came to give us is salvation. He came to save us, right? And if you didn't need saving, you wouldn't need a savior. You need to be saved. And what, is that, what does that mean? Well, we're saved, first of all, from the penalty of sin. Every person, our ancestor Adam rejected God, pushed away from God, harmatia, offended God, said, I don't need you. Have we ever done that? Has anybody ever done that? I don't need God. I can do it on my own. I don't believe in God. That's, again, the same idea. When man puts confidence and rejects God, or we worship God as we understand him to be, it's a rejection of God, and God considers it an offense. The word offense means to push away. 
It's not like God's just disgusted with us. Oh my gosh, you've offended me. No, he, he, offense means to push away. We've pushed away from God. And in we pushing away from God, we created a separation. And the Bible says that the penalty of that sin, Jesus is life, God is life, He's life and light, in him is no darkness. And so when we separate ourselves from God, the only thing that remains is death. This is true. When you separate yourself from love, which God is love, and you're separated from every other love that you experience is false. Every other form of life that you experience is false. Fullness of life is only in Christ. Fullness of love is only in Christ. Fullness of joy is only in Christ. And everything apart from his, nothing more than a counterfeit. You can experience life in other things, but it's a false life. You can experience joy in other things, but it's a false joy. It's true. Salvation, Isaiah says this, all, all we like have sheep have gone astray and everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid upon him, who? Jesus, the iniquity of us all. Jesus bears the sin of our willful separation. You're born sinful. You're born sinful. You're born that way. You don't have to look any further than a five-year-old. Sin teems out of children, doesn't it? No, children are really innocent, nice, and sweet little, little beings, really. If I see it, I want, it's mine. If I can touch it, it's mine. If you have it and I want it, it's mine. Children will let you know it's all about me. You ever go through the grocery store? I was just there. I've been, I'm a little separated. I just have a first, our first grandchild. Oh, he's over there. There he is. We're on. So there he is. There he is. So he... Um, we're going through the, he's not, he's not at this age yet. I was going through the grocery store the other day and the little, the little girl wanted the toy and the mom's like, no, you're not having a toy. And she just erupted in a rampage. I want it. I want a toy. Ah. <laughs> sin, sin can be found among us. People say they're good people. We're not good people. We're broken people and fallen people that sometimes does the good things. But our nature is not good. Our nature is what's called malevolent. It's been my word of the month, malevolent. Malevolent means I'm going to do a selfish act against you to benefit me. That's what malevolence is. I'm going to harm you, take from you, do something against you, all for the purposes of benefiting myself. And we've all done it. We've all done it. So the malevolence itself, to, bear, to just look at that, tells us that we ourselves are not good. Not good. But Jesus comes to, do, to save us from a malevolent nature, a self-destructive nature, right? That's what I mean when you're your own worst enemy. You're doing things that hurt people. You do things that break relationships. And then we're so willful and prideful that we don't even acknowledge it. No, I didn't do that. Yeah, no, dude, you said that. We have video and we have audio of you saying that. I never said that. Yes, you did. Well, you didn't understand what I meant. We'll do malevolent things, and then we'll make 30 excuses as to why we did them, never truly owning what it is that we did. We have a self-destructive nature. We do selfish, foolish things that end up just separating us. Self-destructive nature, you're your own worst enemy. It's malevolence. Jesus came to give you a new nature. This is, again, what we have in Christ. Jesus isn't just one gift. He's not just the God-man come down. He's the God-man bearing gifts to mankind. And it's not even enough to just receive Jesus. It's like if you get a package tomorrow and you don't open it, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything to you, right? Got a box. Oh, I like the pretty green paper. I'm just going to put it up on a shelf, right? Look what I got. I got a pretty green box. Put it up on the paper. like, well, what's in the box? It's who Jesus is. He's a gift. Well, what's in Christ? That's the question. 
When we open that, when we open him because he's a gift, what is, in, what is in the box? What is in the personhood of Jesus? And I'm just giving you a couple of simple things. Salvation. And in salvation is, not, is, a, is a saving, not just from the penalty that we're all born with, which is separation, and we're all born with it. All born with I'm a good person. Every time somebody tells me that, I'm like, have you ever done a willful, selfish act to benefit you that harmed another person? Uh, well, yeah, you're not good. You're not good. But I do good things. Yeah, you do good things, but your heart is that. You, you, there's, it's an inescapable thing. We can't separate ourselves from that. It's malevolence. But what happens in Christ is you get a, you get a new nature. You're forgiven, it's, you get, and uh, pay, the penalty for the separation is paid for, but you're given a new nature. This is a common teaching here at Elevate. I try to teach you this because I'm a practitioner of the Christian faith. I'm not an observer of it. And I realize that I can't work this faith out in my flesh. I've tried so many times to do the things that God has told me to do, only to find myself incapable of doing them. But I had a beautiful revelation of the Holy Spirit. And then I realized, wait a minute, when I'm in the Holy Spirit, I can forgive people. When I'm not in the Holy Spirit, I want to run them over with my car. When I'm in the Holy Spirit, I can be generous. When I'm not in the Spirit of God, I want to take everything for myself. Anybody with me? And so where is our new nature found? Our new nature. See, this is how, this is how the church teaches. We're your new creation in Christ. Whoop-de-doo. Okay? I mean, that's great. But what does that really mean? And what are the active principles attached to that? You know, if that's true, then there has to be a reality attached to that. If joy is true, how many joyless Christians have we seen? Huh? Anybody go to church, right? You know, anybody come around? You know, Christians, oh, bless God, brother. I'm just going through it. Just going through it. Yeah, bless God. <laughs> joy of the Lord's all over me. Yep, just joy of the Lord. Yeah, I can tell. It's just right there. It's teeming out of you. Comes from the Spirit. You can come in here and you can be downcast. And you can come before the Lord and be downcast. And you can begin to open yourself up to him. And all of a sudden, joy just comes into you. He comes into you. The power of God is available to you. So the joy is not, joy isn't just something that's automatic. It's available. You have to go get it, though. And how do you get it? You just position yourself in the spirit. You step into your new nature. Christians are very self-condemning because they see the things that Jesus calls us to be and calls us to do. And then they realize they can't do them. We're not forgiving people in and of ourselves, right? No, the married people said, amen. <laughs> We're not. We hold grudges. We not only hold grudges, we plot vengeance. Ooh, the next time she says that, I've got something for her. <laughs> Going to get quiet in here now. Ooh, the next time he does that, man, I've, I've, I'm ready. I'm ready. I am not, you know, we, we not only hold grudges, we plot vengeance. <laughs> We prepare for the future of the next war. But when you get in Christ, it's amazing how easily you can forgive those things. Because that is his nature. Jesus is willing to forgive. Jesus is full of forgiveness, full of joy, full of um, salvation, and full of, full of love. And so Jesus is the greatest gift that you can receive. Period. He's the gift that keeps on giving. He gives you richness and treasures in himself that are available to you. The sad part is, is that the Christian doesn't open the gift enough. 
We think that it's an empty, that, we, that if we use the Spirit or we enter into the Spirit and we take the things that are available to us in the Spirit, that it's going to run out. It'll never run out. Never run out. Heaven's never been broke. The resources of heaven are multiplying, never, in, never not increasing. They're always there. And so just because you have an inheritance, Christian, you can draw on joy 24-7 as much as you can take, right? As much as you can take, it's available to you. Against love, there is no law. You can, draw, you can draw on love as much as you can take. You can get in the spirit and just get all sloppy, and you can start loving people all, all the time. People are like, you need to calm down a little bit. No, the Bible says you can have as much as you want. You can have as much joy as you want. You can have as much shalom as you want, as much peace as you want. It's available to you. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. To those who don't know Christ, I would present him to you as a gift that you need to receive. To those who Oh, Jesus, and you know Christ in this room, I would tell you and I would challenge you to begin to open him up a little more and begin to experience the things that he makes available to you. That's ultimately what Christmas is all about. So we're going to do two things. We're gonna, I'm going to offer a prayer for those of you that don't know him, and we're going to pray together. So we're going to do that. Then after the prayer, we're going to go out and around, and we're going to take communion elements together. We're going to take communion together. And as you're taking the communion elements, when you're doing this, I know I'm giving you a lot of instructions. Somebody's like, man, I better be writing this down. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? <laughs> you take the communion elements back to the chairs and then get, grab a candle with you, if you would, please. And um, we'll give you instructions from there. But right now, what I want to do is I want to pray. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you say, I don't understand it. You don't have to understand it. You have to believe it. There's a guy here. His name's Dave. Lived, lived around Christians his whole life, and um, he was going to another church at the time, and they'd sit me down and say, hey, man, you got to talk to this guy. you got to talk to this guy. He's my big story on this because I never have had a, quite an experience like this one. And everybody's going, oh, this guy, he just goes to church. I just think he's this. I just think he's that. He never commits to Christ. He never does this. He never does that. And so I said, and I started telling him, he said, well, I can't, I can't, I can't understand it. Therefore, I can't believe it. And I explained to him, you, you do a lot of things that you don't understand. You're sitting in a chair right now that you don't understand. You get on airplanes that you don't understand. You get, on, you get in cars that you don't understand. You turn on computers that you don't understand. That's a whole other story. Why won't this work? You know, but we turn it on. We do a lot of things that we don't understand. Jesus is the same. He presents a truth to us that we can believe in without fully understanding it. God became man. I don't understand it. Well, no one does because it's God. If you can understand God and you can define God, he's not God. He's your God. God is he's understandable in ways that he gives us understanding only in the limitations. We're limited. He's not. But we do a lot of things. You say, if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth, he's going to forgive me. He's going to give me a new nature, and he's going to give me, uh, give me eternal life in heaven. Yep. That's what he said. He said, I don't understand that. Doesn't matter. He said he would if you believe it. So we're going to pray. We're going to close with a prayer. And the greatest gift that I could offer you is the gift that Jesus offers the world. And that's relationship with him and relationship with God and forgiveness. So just to ask you if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes. We're going to pray together as a group. And if you're here and that's you, all I ask you to do is open your heart and pray the prayer with us. That's it. And let's just pray together. Just say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Savior and I need a Savior. I don't understand this. But I choose to believe it. And so I open my heart to you. And I ask you to come inside. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to restore me. 
and I ask you to repurpose my life. All that I am, I give to you. In all that you are, I receive as mine. From this day forward, I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if the worship team would come.